Listener-supported KFUO invites you to listen live to our annual share It's your opportunity to show your support to KFUO. If you can't join us live, please prayerfully consider supporting us by calling 314-996-1518 and asking about our giving levels. You can also click the Give Now button on our webpage. Share 2017, April 20th, 21st, and 22nd. listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting Faith and Family. Find out more about them on the KFUO website, Concordia University, Wisconsin, located in the sponsor section. Joining me in studio now, the Reverend Roosevelt Gray, Director of Black Ministry for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Office of National Mission. Pastor Gray, welcome back. Thank you very much. I always love to have you in studio. Uh, I love your, your your rich voice on the air. It's so nice to have a fellow baritone in studio with me. Amen. You are a baritone, Amen. Rec, Amen. correct? Yes. yes. All right. Well, we're well, glad to have you in studio this morning and uh, talking about a fantastic event coming up um, this year, Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, first, let's let's talk about the, the name, Unpack that for me. Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation. What is this event? Well, the Family Convocation has been going on now for about 30 years, and it was Black Ministry Family Convocation. But this year, since it's the 104th anniversary, what we wanted to do was talk about it's Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation. Because a lot of people hear the word Black Ministry Family Convocation. They think it's segregated or it's isolated. And it's not for the whites in the church or other ethnic groups in the church. And so what we wanted to have the picture this year uh, in 2017 was that, no, we are all Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation. So f- emphasizing what unites us. Amen. In that there are black members of congregations that are not predominantly black. Uh, There are some congregations where you may have only one black person in the congregation or a few or they're predominantly black congregations. And so what we're saying, what unites us is that we're Lutherans and that there are black members in congregations throughout the United States. And so this is not only for them, but it's for all other Lutherans. So if you're in a congregation that has no black members or one black member or you're in a predominantly black congregation, this family convocation is for you. It is for the entire church. Because we're celebrating uh, 140 years of Lutherans in black ministry. So what goes on at a Lutherans in black ministry family convocation? Well, the time that we're going to spend there, we're going to be rejoicing over the Reformation. It's still all about Jesus. Our theme is all for Jesus. So if the Senate says it's still all about Jesus for the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, we say then we're all for Jesus. And so it's going to be all about Jesus. It's going to be about workshops and seminars and things that people can go back to their congregations to do to encourage the, the gospel in the congregations, in the communities. But it's also going to be about coming together as Lutherans under the word and sacrament. There will be worship services there. There will be opportunities there to go and see the Civil Rights Museum in Birmingham, Alabama. It's going to be at the Sheraton Hotel in Birmingham, Alabama. If you want to know more about it, you can go on our website at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate under Ethnic Ministry. Click Black Ministry, and there you can find everything about 2017 Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation. 
So taking place in Birmingham, tell me a little bit more about why you chose this location. What you mentioned uh, a museum as well. Well, historic, when you think about black ministry in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, it started in the South. It started mm-hmm. in Little Rock, Arkansas. Then the next phase was uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, then North Carolina, and then Alabama. And so Alabama Field was the largest of all of the fields in black ministry. There were 30 black congregations, 35 congregations, and 30 schools in the southern district of Alabama. And one of those historic places were Birmingham, Alabama. Church started there in 1916, Pilgrim Lutheran Church, started by the great Rosa J. Young. And the reason we wanted to do that is, is to celebrate the history of where the church got started in the South, but also wanted to celebrate um, the work that has been done for civil rights and uh, in our work as Lutherans and participating in that civil rights event. Yeah. You mentioned Rosa Young, yes. and the film has been out for a while now, yes. too, the first Rosa film. Yes. Uh, anything uh, regarding the, the first Rosa film at the, the convocation? Well, we will have an opportunity to show the first Rosa film. I'm going to do that when I do my presentation. It's only 42 minutes, so if you haven't seen it, please register, come down. You can see it there mm-hmm. and enjoy the city of Birmingham, but also enjoy, enjoy the Lutherans who are gathering there in black ministry and family convocation. Uh, with the film as out and going. I'm going throughout the United States and congregations and regions and still uh, talking about the film and, and engaging people about the great work of Rosa Young, 30 schools and 35 congregations, the greatest mission feat in America in any denomination. Uh, and it was by a lady. And isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. A female did that work with the pastors who came down, you know, and those kinds of things. But um we're going to celebrate in Birmingham. Birmingham is a historic city. Most of us know we've seen the civil rights things about Birmingham. And so we're going to have a chance to see the Civil Rights Museum, see the the, the Baptist church that was bombed that, there in Birmingham. So we're going to have a wonderful time uh, in this uh, family convocation. Mm. You mentioned, as we were talking about, Rosa Young, Dr. Young, uh, you know, that it, it's... You know, outstanding that that she was a woman who who worked with the pastors, but also uh, another great point of how she served as an evangelist. So she was a teacher, right, and such a pioneer for Lutheran schools yes. in her community and the surrounding areas. What a witness to the the great value of of Christian education, Lutheran teachers, and and the the great witness they are. And, and what they can serve. So thanks be to God for her yeah. and that great story. I'm glad that you're going to show the film there as well. Yes. I've seen it a couple of times. There's right. outstanding film. Glad it's that it'll always be just at the, the powerful convocation. See the film. Yes. So Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation. Tell me, why is it a family convocation? What well, does that mean? Well, it's all about family. You know, I mean, we're, we're members of the family of God, you know, and it's about family. It's about building those relationships so that we can baptize and catechize our young people grow them up in the church so that they can be the, the, the present leaders and the future leaders. And so what we want to encourage uh, the family convocation is to encourage families in the church uh, to be about the work that God has called them to do, to serve their families, to serve mm-hmm. other families in the community. And so we want to build on families. And so, uh, and, but if you don't have a family, if you're a single person, uh, you can join in with the family and we would encourage you and support you and celebrate with you also. It's for all of us. But family is that we gather, number one, as the family of God together. Number two, we gather as families in the communities where God has called us to serve. And number three, then we have our own families as we come together. So the family of God, the family of community of faith, and then families coming together. Outstanding. 
And this is in Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, the, Alabama. The dates. The dates uh, July the 12th through the 16th. And we're going to have a glorious and a wonderful opening service. The great preacher, Pastor Dr. Omar Marshall, will be there with his choir at the opening service there. We have a convocation choir. Uh, pastors, please come. You can vest. I mean, church workers in general uh, will process in and vest. And, and, you know, if you're a deaconess or a deacon or lay or a, a, a Christian the, uh, director of whatever your teacher, educator, pastor, we all will vest and we will we will march in together, process in together, and uh, have a wonderful service at that particular time. But as I said, we'll have workshops. We got some great speakers. We got the uh, uh, the Reverend Chris Botley who is going to be speaking, uh, the opening speaker for Thursday. We got the the Reverend DNA Taylor out of Redeemer in New York is going to be a great speaker, and he's going to be speaking on all for Jesus. No him and you know he's got his doctorates in catechesis so he's going to be talking about mm. that you know what does it mean to know Jesus as far as the church is teaching about yeah. Jesus and and how to go about laying that out among the people that you serve uh, we have another person who's going to be the keynoter and she's out of Mobile Alabama does a lot of community development and neighborhood specialization so that's going to give us an opportunity for our congregations to know how to develop work in the neighbors and and revitalize their 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 communities her name is Lavanas uh, Dubos uh, out of Trinity Lutheran Church, we have Dr. Leo, Leo Sanchez, mm-hmm. Leopoldo Sanchez at our St. Louis Seminary uh, in the Systematics Theology. He's going to talk about all for Jesus. How do we confess Christ in the 21st century? What does that mean as we are global society today? But how do we go about doing that? Uh, we have um, uh, Dr. Gregory Seltz, who is over the Lutheran Hour Ministry. Uh, he's going to be talking about all for Jesus. How do we go about serving Christ in, in the 21st century? And what does that mean? As we serve people, we serve Christ. And then we're going to have uh, Dr. John A. Nunez, and many people know Dr. Nunez out there. And he's going to be the keynote speaker at the at the uh, the banquet that night on Saturday night. And he's going to speak about what does it mean for a global community to be about Jesus? And then what does it mean for us Lutherans in this 21st century global community? And, you know, I heard I heard someone once say that that uh, the 16th century uh allowed Luther and the reformers really to get the message out because at that time you had the Gutenberg printing press and they got the message out. And so when in, in their writings went throughout Europe and I heard this person say, now the 21st century is like what the 16th century was for the Reformation. And so I asked that person to unpack that for me. He said, well, you know, the 16th century, the, the, the reason that the reform was so effective is because they got their message out. They, 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 they wrote the message and they, they, they printed the message and they got it out and people saw it. They believed it. It was the word of God. And so people say, hey, if that's what the word says, then I believe the word. And he said, so that was the, the Gutenberg generation. He said, now, this 21st century is a Google generation. And he said, but this century is going to determine what the church looks like 500 years from now. And he said, we're going to use faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone, and Christ alone to the glory of God alone. But what are the vehicles that we're going to use in order to get that message out? Just like we're on the radio today, what are the electronic Internet and other mediums that we're going to do to preach the gospel? Hmm. Making use of those first article gifts just as they did. Uh, in the Amen. in the uh, 16th century today yes. too, that's what we aim Amen. to do here, and 
what a, a convocation, an exciting lineup Amen. of speakers. Yes. You're presenting as well, you I, mentioned. I'm presenting about the future of black ministry. And one of the things that we're looking at in black ministry is that we're looking at not only did we do the Rosa Fam, the first Rosa, uh, but what's coming out of the first Rosa is to start some new Rosa J. Young schools. So we're creating what we call a Rosa J. Young Academies Foundation Incorporated. That's going to be the parent company to start new Rosa J. Young schools. And the school is going to be basically voucher charter schools that we're going to use. And we're going to take these this, this emphasis of starting some new Rosa J. Young schools and going back into the urban, the inner city, the rural areas where we once had all of these schools, but we've lost most of them now, that we can go recreate some schools there and help our congregations to reach these families in these communities. So when we talk about family convocations, then, you know, the broad scope is that, you know, the God created family. Adam and Eve was a family. They had kids. And, you know, I mean, they, they were sinners. So one son, one brother killed his other brother. But, you know, we're all sinners. But, you know, but the church is here for sinners. And the church has realized in that if we're going to embrace families, then we need to be about what it takes in order to build healthy families. And education has always been a key for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. And so we've lost most of those schools in the urban, inner city, rural areas, the ethnic communities. So now the Rosa J. Young School will be an opportunity for us to mm. go back into those areas to start schools, to support families, and to build better communities. What a legacy this educator has has Amen. left behind, you, you know, by the the many lives that that she touched as a as a Lutheran teacher, and. Uh, the you know the this dream this desire that you have to and and many others to see more schools yes. uh, forming and and providing s- Christian education in, in communities all over our country. Amen. That will be that will be, I think, the test of time for us as mm-hmm. as Christians. That today, where we've lost so many of our schools in the rural areas too, in the urban inner cities, uh, in the major cities, um, in some small towns and cities, we've lost a lot of those schools simply because congregations just can't afford, you know, to give the education away, and, and most families can't afford to pay for it. And so, this opportunity of starting schools that will be voucher charter schools, but will have a strong emphasis on values education and serving families and building families and and for the family. And uh, because God is all for the family, you know, somewhere in the, in the scripture says he's put the lonely in families. And so um, this will be a great opportunity for us as the church to carry out her legacy. But the legacy that the church has always had, as Martin Luther said, education is very important that we will go back into areas where we once were to start educational opportunities to circle those families with God's love, his grace, and his mercy, bring all of the resources of the Lutheran Church Missouri Center to the table, and see how God will help us rebuild our communities. Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation taking place this July. Find out more at lcms.org and uh, look for ethnic ministry, black ministry, and uh, find the convocation there. My guest today, the Reverend Roosevelt Gray, Director of Black Ministry for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Office of National Mission. Pastor Gray, always a delight to have you in studio. Thank you. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. 
CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. Hi, this is Joni Harwell, inviting you to Christian Friends of New Americans' third annual 5K Run and Fun Walk on Saturday, May 6th at Concordia Seminary. The funds from this event will help CFNA's ministries to new refugees and Americans. Come and join us for some fun. Register online cfna-stl.org slash walk or call 314-517-8513. Does your church need help to discover its true mission? Hi, this is Rich Robertson, President and CEO of the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. It happens to all of us. At some point in our lives, we get distracted, confused, or maybe even burned out, and eventually we lose focus. So it's nice to know at times like these that you have a partner at LCEF. Our ministry support services can help your church clarify its mission so it enjoys sustained health and growth. Learn more at www.lcef.org. listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Looking forward to the Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation coming up in the near future. Joining me by phone now, one of the presenters at the convocation, the Reverend Christopher Bodley, missionary at large for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, Michigan District, and also director of Acts 2 Enterprise. Pastor Bodley, welcome to Faith and Family. Oh, thank you, Andy. Pastor Bodley, let's start with uh, where it began. When did you start thinking about the Office of Holy Ministry? What led you to consider this vocation? Well, I was uh, really influenced by my by my father. So he was um, a Lutheran pastor, and uh, on the south side of Chicago. And I started going on some of the visitations that he would have, and uh, when he would go to visit some of the um, shut-ins and those who were hospitalized. And um, I think just seeing that and looking at his life, you know, and watching him live out his faith, um, that had that was a significant um, inspiration and contribution for me wanting to pursue. Uh, the ministry. And so when you, you started to pursue the ministry and started studying, what kept you going? What what made you stick with it and carry this out? And, and, and you served in, in a variety of vocations or, or careers, too. You, you've also served as a Navy chaplain. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was it about this vocation that uh, that made you want to stick with it and now be a uh, a missionary serving in the Michigan district? Sure, um, I think just the formation that took place earlier on, um, mm-hmm. especially when I was in um, when I was in college and had a very good professor in Old Testament and New Testament, and just looking at the scriptures and learning about the uh, the scriptures and. Um, so my faith grew as a result of understanding it was more than just what was on the page. And um, I would probably have to say probably the most influential thing that kind of helped inspire me was a class. It was a spiritual formation class when I was in seminary by Dr. Newton. And that just revitalized and just uh, just energized me as I began to just look at life and faith and, and my own self and looking at my own development. Um, it just, it was dynamic. And so I think that was one of the, you know, those are a couple of those things that kind of just helped to 
keep me focused and moving forward. And then, of course, um, just, you know, my father encouraged me, my mom, and um, I also had uh, an uncle. So they just encouraged me in that faith walk. Once you completed your studies and ready to serve, tell me about where you began serving. Okay. So I, um, so when I was graduating from seminary, I was, uh, a call was extended me to a church in Orlando, Florida, and um, we were there, and it was a predominantly African-American congregation, um, and we arrived there, my wife, and uh, as we were serving there, um, I, I can truly just say it was, it was really God that he began to open doors and to see, he began to kind of transform the congregation to becoming multi-ethnic. I remember probably within the first three or four months, uh, we had a family that came through the Lutheran Refugee Resettlement Program from Liberia. And um, that was just great having them come, and we began to minister to them, and they got connected with the with the ministry. They stayed there. Their family grew up there. And then we had other families come through, and then God just began to bring people from different parts of the world, from Trinidad, Panama, Germany, Sweden, Cuba, um, the Caribbean, um, uh, to that church. And so that kind of just then opened my eyes to the whole idea of what the this idea of the you know gospel being a global message and it was, it was kingdom and multi-ethnic and multi-generational. And so uh, as I started, that just kind of really also got me excited. And so I was there. We were there for 14 years. Then we were led to then plan a multi-ethnic congregation um, uh, in Sanford, Florida. So we were at the um, in Orlando for 14, and Sanford was uh, for six years, and it was only about 30 miles away, and we planted an intentional multi-ethnic church with another pastor. Uh, in the meantime, during the midst of that, I was also a Navy chaplain, and uh, most of my time was served with the uh, Marines. And um, that was just um, even serving with them and going through that whole process. And it really was a great spiritual process that helped to just fuel me and uh, encourage me to expand my vision um, in regards to mission, but also my own development um, as, a, as a believer. What is it that you learned during your experience as a Navy chaplain and serving with the Marines that helps you in your ministry today as a missionary? Um, there, there are, there are th- at least three things. One was that this whole idea that uh, as I looked at the Navy, the military, is that uh, either you're preparing for a mission, you're executing that mission, or you're leaving the mission. And so the whole idea and that whole entity of how they help people to accomplish the mission, which I just understood that was a great template for me to understand, then what does that mean for the believer? Um, the other was the importance of cultural competency, uh, because the military does have its own culture, and understanding what that culture is in order to be effective, and that was very helpful because I understood I had to learn another culture, uh, because it was just very different from, you know, from your traditional church. And then thirdly was the phrase was adapt and overcome. Um, and that was just very important, just being with the Marines, too, understanding of when you have a mission, whatever it is, to be able to adapt because things are not going to always go as planned. And then you overcome. You consistently keep pushing through and finding ways to win. Tell us about your work as missionary at large in the LCMS Michigan District. Okay. So my uh, the call of was to, uh, to be engaged in a, like a strategic holistic outreach. Uh, we were going to uh, have a charter school, and then we were going to do a wraparound ministry intentionally for, for the families. Um, 
and that kind of shift that we didn't necessarily see that come to fruition in regards to the um, charter school, but we still have this um, strategy of strategic holistic outreach and, and also leadership development. So in the midst of Detroit, um, being able to say how do our churches reposition themselves uh, in, the, in the context of an urban environment uh, when there is no school, uh, how do we begin to build relationships and trust? Uh, and so, therefore, you know, being able to go into the community and listening uh, from the stories and doing some asset-based asset -based community to, uh, planning, uh, we learned from that. And so uh, that was in order to kind of help congregations understand how then do you identify those needs, but also not necessarily think that we are going to be the ones who just supply everything, but to listen to their stories and say, how do we build a bridge and so we you know there's a lot of talk and we do that and so out of that you know we discovered especially within detroit the importance of um you know talking about work and talking about the family and how do you help people move toward employment and how do you remove barriers and boundaries that may be in their life which may which affects the family which then affects the economic um, um viability um, and so it gives us a chance to be able to show then how god speaks to every sector of their life. And so, you know, one, we're helping leaders in our churches understand how do you minister to the whole person, and then, two, how do you strategically then work toward engaging the community so then people do see Christ in our actions. Tell me about the strategies that uh, that you've learned about, that you've used in the field, and how you'll be bringing those to, uh, what strategies you'll be bringing to the workshop at the Convocation to share. Well, one was uh, definitely... Um, being able to see what the what a critical need was, and we understood that uh, families and employment was very important um, because the first thing they one of the first things that God did was to tell Adam and Eve was to work, and so the idea of being able to work because most people are going to spend eight hours of the day, ten hours of the day, uh, in work, and so how then do you how does the church or does the church have a message that speaks to work? and gives to us permission and the privilege to be able to uh, take this gospel into the uh, secular space that can bring transformation. And that's kind of where I'm coming from, um, you know, engaging in the workshop. So I'm going to be talking about vision and prayer uh, and having a common language, a language between the church and the community so that there is a connection and um, the idea uh, and the importance of collaboration. Those will be some of the areas in regards to the strategy that I'll be talking about um, in Birmingham. And so what, as we look forward to the Lutherans in Black Ministry Convocation, uh, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to at this convocation? Uh, I always look forward to even other leadership insights, uh, people who may be doing something also different um, uh, in their context of ministry, and uh, being able to glean from that and also just also the networking that uh, is provided because there are people that are doing some great things, uh, whether, it's, whether it's rural or it's urban or suburban, and then also just the idea of just, you know, a chance for a reunion, a fellowship. I you know, don't get a chance to speak from people that I've known and went to school with. So those are the three, I guess, are just really exciting, the leadership insights and the networking and reunion. Um, are things I look forward to. Who are uh, who are the folks you expect to see at the uh, the convocation? Well, 
Well, um, I see some people that went to Luther South and also um, in the south side of Chicago. Um, some classmates that were with me in, um, in Nebraska when I went to uh, Stewart, Nebraska. Definitely saw a couple that were uh, other classmates that were from um, Fort Wayne, Indiana when I went through seminary. And then definitely also um, we see, I'll see some of the people in ministry that I work with down in Orlando, but also abroad. Um, I've had a chance to see them and uh, don't necessarily get a chance to see them as frequently because of work. But um, um, I would say that between those various groups, um, that's the reunion. And, and, and definitely back from, back from Chicago, I just um, uh, I get a chance to see some of the people who were in that cluster of churches that were on the south side of Chicago. And that's always, um, that's always exciting. When you look across the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, what would you say are some of our strengths? What are the best gifts that we have when it comes to Lutherans and black ministry um, and, and uh, how we might share these at this convocation? Um, I would say the strength is um, probably the encouragement that, um, that we gain just by being able to kind of share you know, our similar context. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also um, that, that also that commitment in regards to being able to um, customize our faith in the context um, of worship, uh, and that you know that does that does change with being able to celebrate that, and I think that that's what's very important because uh, you know as Martin Luther did, trying to make sure that you know you put the gospel in the language of the people, and I think that that is probably. Uh, one of the strongest um, aspects that you know comes by being able to celebrate um, being um, African American and um, in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. As we wrap up today, uh, share with us a little bit about Acts Two and how we can Acts Two Enterprise, how we can find out more about it, and uh, what uh, w- what are some of the, the key things going on with Acts Two Enterprise this year. Okay, so the uh, Acts to Enterprise is the mission scope for the Michigan District for my position. Um, and so it is, when we look at Acts chapter 2, uh, you see that the disciples were in the city and that, um, you know, before they could do anything, they needed to pray and they depended on the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit helped them to be able to communicate to the nation um, in multi, from a multi-generational perspective. And... Um, Seeing that our you know our world is going in that direction, it's not just the physical language, but it is the heart language. How do we begin to touch people and communicate with people in their heart language if we're going to be effective? And so, Acts to Enterprise looks at finding ways to talk with people, to close the gap, to close the uh, the, the the boundaries um, by being able to speak a common language of love and grace and forgiveness, but also empowerment and um, and sustainability in the urban context, uh, because Jesus did say, wait in the city till I send you the Holy Spirit and you'll receive power from on high. And so there's a great opportunity to see how this um, uh, unceasing power, how the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to do great work in the urban context, and that he also gives to us insight and innovation so that we can be uh, successful in those contexts. Pastor Bodley, thank you so much for being my guest today, and God's blessings on your preparations and time together at the Lutherans in Black Ministry Family Convocation. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for the opportunity to be on. And um, again, God bless you in your ministry.
This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The State Department stopped all tax funding of the United Nations Population Fund. This is a huge victory because over $32 million will not go to efforts using abortion as a means to control the world's population. While Mr. Obama was president, he directed nearly $300 million toward organizations with an abortion agenda. These were your tax dollars working to kill innocent preborn children around the world. Whoever is elected president of the United States makes a big difference, not only to unborn babies in America, but around the globe. And this is just one example of why you and I need to be good stewards of our privilege to elect those who will be making crucial decisions on our behalf on the local, state, and federal levels. Always vote pro-life. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, and Corporate Synod daily reaches out to our members and partners working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash jobs board. Hi, we're Jonathan, Matthew, and Nathaniel Clayton. We listen to KFO every chance we get. One of the shows we like is Thy Strong Word, hosted by Pastor Whedon. One thing I love about Thy Strong Word is how they are able to tie in what great church fathers have said about the passages. I like that Thy Strong Word gets through a whole chapter of the Bible each day and shows the things you never even knew were there. What I like about Thy Strong Word is that Pastor Weed and the host is fun and always energetic as he studies the text. We would encourage you to listen to KFUO every chance you get. Just, just like, like we, we do. God's Word is our great heritage and shall be ours forever. I'm William Whedon, LCMS Director of Worship. We romp through the sacred scriptures, rejoicing in the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. Thy Strong Word, weekday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Underwritten by Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit them on the web at lhfmissions.org. Listening to Faith and Family, I'm Sarah Golseth. Today, I have the joy of bringing you the story of a missionary who's been in the field for quite some time. With me in studio today is Robin McCoy, who is serving as an English as a foreign language instructor in Bangkok, Thailand. Welcome, Robin. Thank you very much. So you've been in Thailand since 2005, is that correct? Yes, I have almost, almost 12 years. It'll be 12 years uh, in August. Wow, that is, that's a long time to be uh, on the mission field. It is a long time, <laughs> but it's gone by very fast. That's good. That's good. So how, how did you end up in Thailand? What's the story there? All right, let's talk about the story. <laughs> um, I was in a marriage that I thought would last forever. Mm -hmm. But life has a funny way of changing these things on you. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up divorced. And um, I was never able to have children. And since I was totally free, God called me one night to go into the mission field. I was laying in bed and I was reading inspirational material, uh, usually scripture or some kind of something that would be very encouraging. 
And I had, at that particular time, I'd been reading a book that had been written by a missionary. Mm -hmm. And I can't even remember where I was in the book. But the next thing you know, I wasn't in the book anymore. Mm -hmm. And all of these thoughts were going through my mind that I was going to be a missionary. And I'm having a conversation with God and I'm saying, well... I used to play in the mud when I was a little girl. I could live in a village, you know, and I grew up without an indoor bathroom. I could use, you know, an outdoor bathroom. I'm telling God all these things I could do, Mm -hmm. you know. I said, but the snakes, Lord, I don't think I can do the snakes. (laughs) So it was probably about four o'clock in the morning before I ever calmed down enough to go to sleep. And the next morning, I went and I talked to my pastor, uh, Reverend Dr. Mark Bangard at Emmanuel Lutheran. And I told him, I said, I'm going to be a missionary. And he said, you are? Are you sure? (laughs) I said, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. I just don't know how to go about it. He said, okay. And he made a phone call. Within two days, we were filling out paperwork. Wow. Within the week... I was in mission placement and found out I was going to Bangkok, Thailand. Mm -hmm. Within the month, I was at training orientation in St. Paul. And within two months after that, I was in Bangkok, Thailand. And I've been there almost 12 years now. Wow. And I went in there with the understanding that I would teach English as a foreign language and build relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I've never had anything more incredible in my life than building those relationships. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just incredible. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, your work teaching English. Had you taught anything before? Is that part of your background? Well, I always wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. That was one of my one of my dreams and um, never was able to get to, to, to do that. And... Um, So I'd had experience with teaching Sunday school, teaching Mm -hmm. preschool, day school, those kind of things. So I had teaching experience through that. But when the Lord sent me over to Bangkok, this is a different kind of school, a different kind of teaching because it's a teaching center. So I'm able to plan what I want to teach about. Mm -hmm. It's English, which is something that, that you already know. And so I get to teach them the things that I already know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I make fun and games out of it. I let them have a good time because they've they've worked all day in school. They've worked all day at their jobs. They want to enjoy learning English. And so I make it fun for them. Sure. Now, the center, is that uh, is it a separate school or is it connected with a congregation in Bangkok? It's connected with a congregation. Uh, it's with the Lutheran Church, mm-hmm. and we're called Intolite Center. We're with the Intolite Lutheran Church in Bangkok. And, um, yeah, and so what we do, what I do is as I build relationships, of course, I share Christ and I share the gospel mm-hmm. with the students, and there are many opportunities because— the more relationships that you build and, and the more they grow, questions begin to come up and, and feeling at ease about talking and sharing mm-hmm. the gospel. And so I've also had many of my students that have gone up to our churches upstairs. We have the center on the bottom floor, 
churches on the second floor and I have an apartment on the third floor. Mm. And so there are many times when I'll take the students upstairs so they can see the church. They have no idea what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And so then they're not uncomfortable. And so then there are times that they'll say, oh, I think maybe I want to go with you today, tomorrow. And it's like, fine, come on, let's go, <laughs> you know. So uh, it, it just makes them feel a lot more comfortable. And then when they're going with me or with the person they have a relationship with, there's nothing to be afraid of then because sure. it's okay. Sure. Are these students um, high school students, college students? What they're, kind of age range? They're, they're everything. Okay. Um, my youngest one that I have right now is probably about 12. Oh, wow. And my oldest one is 68. Wow. But now what we do is we go according to skill level. Mm -hmm. And we have them take a, sk a skill placement test when they come in. And then we can tell if they're introduction, level one, level two, level three. Level sure. three, they can pretty much do anything they want. Uh and then we also go according to age. So if we've got a 12-year-old that's as good as a 68-year-old, we're not going to put them in the same class. Mm -hmm. you know. So we go according to the age and the skill level, and we just try to find places where then they can have a comfortable place to study. Sure. Do many of these students, if any, know about Jesus before they come to see you there are a few okay there are a few that come in and and after i build a relationship with them and you know maybe i'll say something about jesus oh i know jesus really are you christian yes i'm christian oh, wow. but now there's there's only about 1.2 1 1.5 percent of people in thailand who are christian but let's put it this way we don't know how many of those people have heard about Jesus and have them in their hearts, have him in their hearts because the Thai culture and the families are, are and the Buddha, Buddhism are so tightly interwoven mm -hmm. that a lot of times this person may actually have faith and believe in Jesus, but because of their family, mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to react on it like they want to. Sure. Because that's such a tight thing. And there are some people who have gone to Christianity who had to lose their family because mm -hmm. their family didn't want anything to do with that. So that is a very hard decision for them. But how many over there have him in their hearts? That's hard to say. Sure. You know? Sure. So. Now, what the... the main religion in thailand is it buddhism, buddhism. Mm -hmm. and it's it's so con tightly connected but it's also um i've learned a very open culture to other religions or other idols or, or that kind of thing what they will do is they they feel they have the freedom to listen to and pray to anybody or mm -hmm. anything yes and so i had this older gentleman and he was my student i think he's probably the oldest one i had his name was sutap and uh, I went on a, uh, I traveled with him and his family to a couple of places. And we went to this one temple. And he said, oh, he said, you can, you can pray too. And I said, well, no, no, I, I'm not going to do that. Oh, he said, I'm Buddhist. I can pray to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, I understand that. But I said, in my belief, I have one creator and one savior. And that's the only one I pray to. 
Right. Oh, okay. And then I talked to him about it, and I helped him to understand why. Mm -hmm. And he really listened. He really listened, but he still went in and prayed. So, <laughs> is it is it is it really challenging to convince people that that Jesus isn't just another one of their idols? He's he is the only one. Thank you for saying that. It's not my job to convince. Aha, mm -hmm. uh -huh. trick question. I know what you were doing. It's not my job to, you know, to convince them to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I leave that up to the Holy Spirit. But it is my job to give them the words mm -hmm. and the evidence to let them know that he is the Lord and the Savior. And there are many, many opportunities to share I had, a, if it's okay, I had a student this just before I came home, and his English is very good. And there mm -hmm. were students, I think there were about four other students in the class. And he said, Teacher, I have a question. And I said, Okay, you never know what the question's gonna be. <laughs> and he said, He looked over and he pointed at the picture on my wall, and he said, Why is Jesus on all three crosses? <laughs> and I said, Wow. I said, that really does look like that, doesn't it? And so to him and to all those other students that were in the classroom, I got to tell them the story about Jesus on the cross and the two thieves and why it all had to happen. And I mean, I just got, I, I had like a 20 minute conversation with them just explaining to them about Jesus on the cross. Sure wonderful opportunity and everybody got to hear it then that was in the class yeah and he goes oh okay you know and he was fine you know and, and he got to listen to it too will that make him christian probably not maybe not who knows mm -hmm. but he gets to hear about jesus and he had questions and that was through the relationships that we have yeah is it are, are people generally very open to hearing about about Jesus and, yeah. and the gospel? See, when they come into our center, they know it's a Christian center. Mm -hmm. And they come into our center because word of mouth has said, if you come into that, if you go into that center, they will treat you like family. Mm -hmm. And you will really like that center. Mm -hmm. And they teach you English and, you know, and they know when they come in that it's Christian. So they expect that they're going to be time to time when they're going to hear uh, the word. Sure. Uh, and it's become very, very comfortable to share that with them. There have maybe been in the whole time that I've been over there, maybe two times where they said, oh, I'm not interested. And it's like, that's okay. You don't have to be interested. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just sharing it with you. Oh, okay. And then they just kind of let it go. Sure. But that doesn't mean that the, that that word can't work on them in some part of their life. Of course. Yeah. So with these these relationships that you build, um, do your students become like family to you? My students are my family. <laughs> I was just showing my presentation a little bit ago, and there's a young man on there that I've had since since I've been there. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've got several students still from when I first began. And uh, I said, well, this young man is like a nephew to me. I said, I don't call him my son because he's too ornery. <laughs> I said, I don't think I'd have a son that ornery, <laughs> although I might. Uh, but yes, they become very much like family, and their family becomes like family to me, too. Mm -hmm. So I have many students over there that call me mom mm -hmm. or mommy or grandmother or grandma or 
you know, auntie, whatever. I mm-hmm. have many students that call me by a family name. Sure, sure. Do you uh, do you have opportunities to have? Uh, I don't know, parties with them or get-togethers or just have lunch with them? We do that. A- oh, <laughs> if you could see me, uh, I'm a little bit overweight. Not a lot, but a little bit. And that's because of all the lunches that they take me to. In fact, I'll tell you a very funny story. It was on uh, Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And I had two students that came by and they said, teacher, we want to take you to lunch. And I said, okay, that's fine. And we went to Sizzler. And they have Sizzler over there. So we had a salad mm-hmm. bar and I had a, you know, a little luncheon. And um, I came back home, and I was just getting ready to take a nap because I just had eaten. Mm-hmm. And um, another student called and said, Teacher, we want to take you out to eat. <laughs> well, it was Sizzler again. Oh, no. And so those women, well, they know me because I go over there quite often for salad bar. And, and they, they just kind of smiled at me, you know. And so later that evening... Here came three other students. Teacher, we want to take you to Sizzler. And I said, okay. So I walked in and I put my finger up to my mouth and I shushed the girls working because I didn't want them laughing too hard. (laughs) I didn't want those students to know that I had been there the third time that time. So, yeah, we go out and eat a lot and we do a lot of things together. We go on outings and trips. When we have uh, get-togethers in our center, you Mm -hmm. know, like for Valentine's or Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, uh, those are great opportunities to share Christ. Mm -hmm. And as they say, uh, or as I say, if I cook it, they will come. Mm -hmm. And so if I make brownies or cake or cookies or potato salad or coleslaw, whatever, (laughs) they will come, you know. And so, you know, it's like R will send, R is the, the manager of the center. And she says, Teacher Robin's going to cook. And so we get more students when <laughs> when they hear that, which is a good, good thing, you know. So yeah. as long as they come, I will cook for them. Everybody loves brownies. Everybody loves brownies. <laughs> Are you able to um, uh, use maybe teaching cooking skills as, as something to help build those relationships too? I have cooking classes. Yeah. Yeah. I have cooking classes and um, they come up to my apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, we decide what we're going to make, and then we cook, and they eat, and they're just happy as can be. And I usually let them take it home with them because I'm diabetic, and I can't have a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness, they love that. Oh, we can take that. Well, yeah, you can (laughs) take that. I can't eat it, you know. There you go. There you go. Uh, So uh, are you able to uh, reach out to people outside of the center? Do you have teaching opportunities um, outside of of the center? Yes, I do. Um, there was a company called the Fuji Corporation there in Bangkok. And you know, everybody knows what Fuji mm-hmm. is. And so one of my students said, we would like for you to do a program with us and, and you know, teach us some English. And so I would go to their company and they had a big circular room and they had all these students come. And I would teach them English and play games and have fun with them. And I did that for a year and then um, they changed the person who was in charge of that. And they said, I don't think we really need that. And I didn't get to go back. But I love those people. It was just fun. Sure. Now, I build relationships out in my neighborhood. When I go out in the neighborhood, I say hi to many, many people because mm-hmm. I've gotten to know them. And even if I can't speak to them a lot... Just saying hello to them, just, you know, saying something, you know, maybe it's, oh, it's very hot today. You know, I said in Thai and, you know, then we, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, because we can, (laughs) we have something we can agree on. Mm -hmm. 
And in the grocery store, I've made really good friends with uh, the ladies in the produce department. Mm -hmm. They don't sell a lot of potatoes, and I love potatoes. <laughs> and they've learned that. They uh -huh. said, well, if, I, if we buy them, this you know, teacher will buy them. And so uh, when I get ready to come home, I tell them in Thai that I'm going to be going home, and I show them the dates on the calendar. So they order less potatoes at that <laughs> time, and then they resupply by the time I get back so that I have my potatoes. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it is. But there are a lot of people all over that neighborhood because of the fact of smiling at them, mm -hmm. talking to them, just just being nice to them mm -hmm. that you become loved sure. you know, just by doing that. Sure. In fact, I have a student. Well, she's not a student now. She's a very dear friend. And her and her mother were walking to the store. And I was walking out of the store. And I wide, which is how you put your hands together and you bow your head. That's a greeting they have in Thai. Mm -hmm. And I did that to her mother. And she came back around and she said, do you know my mother? I said, wow, your English is really good. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't know your mother, but she looks so sweet and so kind, and I wanted to show her respect. Mm -hmm. And so we got to talking, and she found out where I taught. And, and so she came to class for a little while. We became such good friends that we go out every Sunday evening now. Mm -hmm. We go out for dinner every Sunday evening. We visit, we talk, we laugh, we share. And every Sunday evening... I get to say a prayer before we eat, mm -hmm. and I change it up every time. And she always says, I just love to listen to you say your prayers. <laughs> there are opportunities everywhere if you have those relationships. Sure, sure. So does helping your students learn English uh, help them to achieve some of their own personal goals in their careers or their life? If, if you want success in a big corporation in Thailand or pretty much anywhere, mm -hmm. you have to know English. Sure. You have to speak English. So they want to learn the English. They want they want to improve their English. Uh, I have helped several students to get positions that they wanted. Uh, air host, air hostess. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. But they have certain, oh, AIS program. Mm -hmm. That's the, the exchange program where they go over and stay for like a year. So I've helped students with that. So there are different ways that I've been able to help them to achieve goals that they wanted to meet. That's wonderful. It is wonderful. Are you also able to oh, share share life stories and, and teach um, compassion and kindness and those kinds of things? You know, I've always been an open book. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been very helpful in Thailand because whether it was the fact of, you know, there was a time when I had a miscarriage or the time when I, you know, went through divorce or the time when I did this or this or this, everything that I've ever been through in my life, I've been able to help somebody else over in Thailand. Mm -hmm. I've been able to help at least one or more people because they've experienced the same thing. And I've been able to share Christ's love through those experiences to them. Sure, sure. Let's talk about uh, life in Thailand a little bit. We have just a few minutes left. Um, what's it like to to get around or where, where do you do your grocery shopping or, or sightseeing? Where do you go sightseeing? I have a grocery store that's kind of across the street. Oh, that's good. Yeah, 
And so it's like a little, it's like a small Walmart. Yeah. And so I can get pretty much anything I want. The motorcycle taxis, I'm friends with those guys, so I trust <laughs> them to take me places where I need to go. Uh, taxi cabs, buses, that was all new to me. I had to learn all of that mm-hmm. stuff. When I go traveling, it's usually with my students and their families. Mm-hmm. I don't go out on my own because I'm not. It may seem like I'm real confident, but I'm really not. Uh, so, but it's more fun to go with them anyway. Sure. So every, all the places that I've ever gone has been with students and, and their families Mm -hmm. and, oh, it is so beautiful there and everything is an experience. Mm -hmm. Everything. It's sometimes it's not anything at all like you would expect it's going to (laughs) be. What kinds of places have you been able to, to visit Uh, other countries or other um, major I've, I've been well I've been to Cambodia, Vietnam, mm-hmm. Taiwan, uh Tokyo, wow, Indonesia. Um do you have a favorite? Do I have a favorite? <laughs> do I have a favorite? Are all of them your favorite? Thailand actually is really? my favorite out of all of them because they're whether you're at the sea or whether you're in the mountains mm-hmm. Wherever you go, it's just incredibly beautiful. Sure, sure. So just just about a minute and a half left. Uh, do you have Do you have any advice for anybody who's thinking about mission work or or thinking about teaching English or or that kind of thing? Oh, follow your heart and follow the Lord because I've never had I've never had a better twelve years in my life. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about Him. Sure. It's all about him. And he will just lead you to greatness. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in the heart and mm-hmm. in the mind. Mm-hmm. And building the relationships has really relationships been. Relationships are the number one key. Yeah. That's been really, really influential for you and really great Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. And, you know, I always knew it, but never as much as when I got into missions. If you have the opportunity and you want to get in missions, go for it. Don't let anything hold you back. That's wonderful. Well, Robin, we're uh, we're all at a time. Yeah, sorry, I talk a lot. <laughs> oh, that's that's why we have you on <laughs> to read more about Robin's story and the missionary work uh, being done in Thailand. Go to lcms.org/mccoy. And if you would like to learn more about service in general, you can go to lcms.org/service. With me in studio is Robin McCoy, who serves as an English as a foreign language instructor in Bangkok, Thailand. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. God bless. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.